Welcome to coffeeis.me podcast, where me means you, or more precisely, us. This is the show where your host, Valerian, without using any interrogation techniques, convinces coffee professionals to reveal their secrets to teach and inspire you to make better coffee and earn a few bucks on the side, if that's what you fancy. Let the show begin. Hello, coffee friends. As promised, here is the next episode. I do not plan to make two episodes a week, but this week is an exception. This is a big one. I interviewed William Davies, dude who changed the coffee scene in London. He won the 2009 World Barista Championship, and despite of the fact that he trains the best baristas on the world and is a judge on the most prestigious barista competitions, he once said that, get ready, espresso is disappointing. By the way, he's not alone in this. In my coffee career, I met so many coffee people who said the same about espresso, and yet, they are the leading experts in espresso. This proves the point that these people are the best baristas of the world. Why? Because they are open about their or product's mistakes and seek constant improvement. I wish I said this clever sentence myself, but I stole it from my virtual barista trainer, Deborah Fordiger. By the way, she is the person behind our online training for baristas bootcamp barista. Special apology to Petra Vesela, Willem's wife, and also a spectacular barista and a barista trainer, because it was a beautiful summer evening in Czech Republic and I stole Willem for almost three hours. As a married man in love with my spouse, I know how important are these beautiful moments. So sorry Petra and thank you for borrowing me, Willem. In this episode, we will talk with Guillaume about his experience starting a coffee cart in London. Coffee carts are one of the best ways how to get into coffee business. They are very low risk and tons of fun. We will talk about the business versus creative side of a coffee venture. A lot of us wanted to start businesses because we love coffee. But is having a coffee business the same like working with coffee? Guillaume will also reveal a risk factor for coffee roasters what a coffee owner does not have. You will hear from my voice that I got a brain freeze. I somehow did not think about this problem as I should have. He will also talk about what made him start his coffee cart, how did he found a partner in crime, how did they build and run it on a very tight budget and much more. There's a lot to cover so let's just get into it. But before, as usually, message from our sponsor. Okay, it's still me. <laughs> let's do a small twist here. Because this episode is about coffee carts and baristas, let me do something special here. How about 50% off from our six-month membership at bootcampbarista.com? Use coupon code COFFEEISME. So once again, coffee is me. Don't use the dot there. Just coffee is me. On the barista for six-month membership, it will cost you $24 per six month. And you can cancel anytime. You can have it for six months and cancel, and that's done. Or you can keep it going for 50% off. Or if you don't want to spend any money, there's also an option that you leave me an honest iTunes review, and I will reward one of you guys with a three-month membership to Boot Camp Barista. All right, that's it. Let's listen to Guillem. Hi, Guillem. Thank you for accepting my invitation to this podcast. No, it's a pleasure, Valerian. You started and still own Proof Rock in London, which changed the coffee scene in London. You are famous for uh, expressions like espresso is disappointing. 
<laughs> you are World Racer <laughs> Champion of 2009, though, right? Yes, that's right. So I cannot imagine a better guest like you. Thank you very much. That's very kind of you. Well, it's uh, definitely been a fun journey. <laughs> yes, it was. And you, you have a lot of uh, business experience behind you. And I want to pick your brain because of that. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm one of those strange people that I, I actually have a business degree. Um, but I, I'm not a very nice... And I've managed cafes. And I've uh, turned cafes into very successful businesses. But I don't like the way that I turn out when I focus solely on business. I've, I've been through quite a journey myself that way, where I really enjoy the creative side. And uh, I find that if I don't have fun while I'm doing the business, then uh, I, I become a terrible person. I know that. And this is the same situation with me. Uh, not too many people know, but I, my first coffee business was actually a cafe. Uh, in my town, Komarno in Slovakia, I called it the Barista Cafe. And nobody knew in 2001 in Slovakia <laughs> what barista means. Not many people in London 2001 knew what barista was. That's funny. But in a tiny town, in a yeah. hidden place, there was a Barista Cafe in Komarno. But I hated it. You know, I did not do coffee too much. What I did was mostly managing the business, managing the employees. Yes. And yeah, you know, I just, I, I don't like that. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, because we, we get into it because we enjoy coffee, mm -hmm. especially in the past. It's like nobody would have got into specialty coffee if they didn't really like love it because nobody knew what it was. It wasn't going to be a successful business model, maybe. We had no idea where it was going back then. This is also a good point because everybody in a, in, in a coffee roasting world, which I'm more familiar with, uh, wants to start a coffee roasting business. Mm. And the coffee roasting is fun. I find it the, one of the most fascinating parts of the coffee world. But coffee roasting business is a different thing than roasting coffee. And a lot of coffee roasters, they start businesses and they fail because they go like, this is boring. You know, I have to do all the text papers. <laughs> I have to do all this, you know, like pitching and I have to do all this marketing. I just want to roast coffee. And the, with a roasting business as well, I mean, the importance of cash flow. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it can ruin your business. Purchasing coffees, waiting for wholesale clients to actually pay you, and what happens if those cafes go out of business? And uh, owning a cafe or a coffee cart is so much easier. You get coffee from your coffee roaster, you don't pay for it yet, then you sell the coffee, and then, you know, a few weeks later, I pay my roaster. It's amazing. It's nothing like that when you uh, are actually opening a roasting business. I never thought of this uh, about like this. I never knew how these uh, baristas and cafes think. Hey, I caught you. So that's good. That's good. <laughs> so let's let's go um, let's go from the beginning. Let's go from the get go. And you know, one of the reasons uh, I invited you, I'm, I'm a bit selfish. You know, we are thinking to open um, a cafe or something. Yeah. Uh, and it, I was motivated by your lovely wife, uh, <laughs> Petra. Uh, I had her as a guest on my Slovak podcast. So uh, Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for giving me uh, over an hour's peace and quiet. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. It was great. Oh, come on. You have to be nice to her. She's awesome. I got a lot of good information from there. And I, I, was, you know, I was going to take it next step further. And I'm thinking that perhaps we should start a cafe. And you started with a coffee cart, right? 
Tell me more about that coffee cart. What was that? Well, what kind of coffee I did you sell? Of, I sort of did. The problem with talking about my past is that no, I've I've been involved for a long time since you know last century uh, in the late nineties. So I, I've been on a little bit of a journey myself, managing other cafes, and before that, I was managing. Um, things within the civil service so I was working for the government in the UK and then I was working for health clubs and I ended up managing those and then I got into coffee and I loved it loved it and then I ended up managing cafes because it was the only way forwards uh, that way to, to actually pay your rent in London was to go upwards in the, and become a manager the problem with that is like it was exactly the same as when I was in the gyms and working for the government. It was it was just you know using coffee instead to create the income. Luckily or, or strangely, I was living on a boat at the time in London, and one wo- one morning I woke up and went, "That's it, I'm done. I've had it. I've had it." So I've oh, there's uh, Jenny Brown is is just waking up, Jenny. That, 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 it's okay, it's okay. So I untied the boat and just left. Left London, left the manager's job, went off. And then uh, did a few things for a couple of years and came back. And uh, one of the ways of just getting into coffee was to take a, a cart, literally a builder's trolley, um, four wheels, that builders use to move bricks and things. And we built a a wooden base, put an 11-year-old linear on top and uh, a super jolly from Mazza and just started selling coffee on a food market and really, really got back to basics. So all I was focusing on was was coffee. Yeah, it was in many ways not a business. It was just a... I need to get to grips with this coffee thing because I've managed cafes. I've made them profitable, but I really don't understand espresso. So let's let's spend a year just trying to get to know espresso. So that's why you went with a cart, not with opening your own cafe or something. So you wanted to nope. get familiar with the industry? Yeah, no, no. Well, I, I knew the industry, but... Well, there wasn't really an industry, to be honest, was there? It was, there was a coffee industry, but there wasn't a specialty industry. What we were doing at the time was creating something, that a market that had never existed before, which is, which were, no, so we had to put up with all the, the, the strange questions, like, and why, why is your biggest cup eight ounces and things like that? It was more like going back to university for me. It was trying to understand, rather than, Focusing on creating a business, I wanted to do what I loved and able to pay my rent. That was my thinking. It was definitely not, I've got a business and in five years, I want to do this. Because at the time, there was no five years. There was no specialty coffee industry, really, in London. Uh, when it comes to equipment, did you go with the fancy linear? Because linear is a kind of fancy espresso maker. Of course, you can get uh, much cheaper ones. <laughs> yeah, but uh, when it's 11 years old. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, two group, no flow restrictors. It, it was quite an interesting journey. But of course, the linear is reliable and it lasted in the cold weather and hot weather. And uh, no, it, it did us proud. But it, it was definitely not the strata. And how about the coffee? What kind of coffee did you use? 
at the, the start, we were using a company that I used to work for, which was Monmouth Coffee. We were doing Single Origins back in 99 mm. with, uh, with Monmouth. It was, it was an amazing time. Nobody understood what we were doing, but it was, it was, it was, uh, we, we had our audience. Uh, then Square Mile came into town. Mm-hmm. And uh, they started, and uh, of course, they had the knowledge. I was very interested in the people that were coming through the Square Mile Roastery, and they were an obvious choice to 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 move to. I, I mean, we became their first um, wholesale customer in a cart. Yeah, on a cart. Yeah, absolutely. Was this something uh, profitable? So, were very able able to pay your rent? Yes, I was able to pay my rent, but um, I was also living on a canal boat mm-hmm. in London. I had a business degree. I knew I knew that we had to make a profit. I knew what my costs were, but I could also cope with three months of not that many people turning up at the car. I knew I would cover my costs and a little bit more because nobody's. Why should anybody change their life to come? to my little coffee cart to fund my business. Life in London is very difficult anyway, and uh, very busy. People have their routines. So why should they change their routine to come to my cart? So I, had to, I knew I had to give it about three months mm-hmm. uh, before I could attract people to the cart. I, I was lucky because people knew me in London as uh, the guy that was working at Monmouth and, and and a couple of other places around London. So they knew, they linked me with specialty coffee. And to be honest, a couple of people did stop because they saw the linear as well. Oh, so the linear was something which attracted people. Yeah, even though it was a 11-year-old linear, we, we really kept it in uh, good condition. And a few people, they'd heard, they'd heard of it. They were really good times on the car. And I learned a lot. I really, really learned a lot about customers and uh, attracting people uh, to the cart and how to deal with them. So give us some, give us some few tips how to attract uh, people to the cart. Uh, I was a little bit utopian at the time. I was very much uh, thinking that I didn't need a brand. So on purpose, mm. we didn't have a name. Uh, we didn't use any branding. What we didn't have any barriers between us and the customer. The idea was to take specialty onto the street. The customer can walk behind the cart. The customer can sort of like walk all the way around and watch us. We were completely visible in what we were doing, so there was no mystery to it at all. It took it took a little while, but uh, people did come, and in the end. The customers were captivated by it, and on some mornings, customers would come and work behind the cart oh. before they went to work. They went, can I do this? I was like, yeah, yeah, come round. What you do is you do this. And so we invited them round. There was no barriers at all. It was like the old days when uh, people would come onto the, uh, the stages uh, when bands were playing and dance with the band. It was like, it was like that. Wow. You know, when it comes to branding, I, I kind of started to, to smile because we did the same. And I think it was a mistake. When, when we started, when we restarted in 2012, the Green yeah. Plantation Coffee Roastery, 
Uh, we didn't have a logo. We had the name, which I used for a long time, but you know, yeah. it was a tiny, tiny roastery. Because my goal was that coffee, the branding should be taken away from coffee. I mean, because we are not buying shoes, <laughs> we are buying coffee. It's an agricultural product. It's yeah. a product which yeah. was made on a farms. And those yeah. guys work on that coffee for almost a year, right? Nine months, a year, depends where it grows. And then you as a roaster or me as a roaster, he does work with it between 10, well, now seven and 16 minutes, depends what you roast, right? And then he's a barista who works with it something between 20 to six minutes, 20 seconds to six minutes, depending on a brewing method. So obviously the credit goes to the farm, which you never do. So for a long time, we didn't have a logo. And that was a big mistake, I have to say. People are not ready to think about coffee as as, as agricultural product. They still want the brand. Yeah, yeah. Do you agree we, on that? Yeah, no, absolutely. We were completely utopian. And for some strange reason, we created... I've, I have a cafe called Proofrock. Now, um, Proofrock's brand is not actually that strong, if you look at it closely. Mm-hmm. The branding of the car was really strong. We had no name, but we had an incredibly strong brand. Now, because a brand is everything that you do, everything you say, what you look like, how you perform, it's everything. It's not just the logo. Mm-hmm. We never had a logo and we never had a name, but we had everything else. And it was a very strong brand. Proofrock has a logo and a name, but brand is not as strong as we had on the the cart. That's a very interesting point. So maybe we do did have a brand, and maybe we did not need a logo. <laughs> no, you do need a logo. You know, I, I learned that hard way. Uh, people could not. I mean, it's a human psychology. Unfortunately, we humans like to associate ourselves with certain uh, symbols. You know, I'm a yes. political scientist, so that's, you know, something we learn, study. But I was also idealist. I was like, I, I don't want those humans. I had enough of politics. I had enough of, you know, manipulation, yes. right? But that... Oh, oh, no, we were definitely manipulating. <laughs> we, we were very uh, clever on the car. We were manipulating. But we were doing it without names and without... Uh, logos and we were but we were doing it to people who are very much from the media industry in uh, london so they were not going to be fooled by logos and brands uh-huh. and uh the i mean when you're when you're operating a coffee cart a specialty coffee cart in a city where there wasn't much specialty other than like about five shops the people coming to you to work are not going to be people interested in specialty. They're going to be people around you. And when we were living on the boat, uh, there happened to be a lot of people who, they, they were creative, they were musicians, and there was a lot of activists as well. And so they came to work to work for us. And uh, these people, creative, the musicians who not made it yet and the activists they know how to create an audience without uh much money and without sort of great resources so they were manipulating definitely manipulating but in the nicest possible way exactly there are different ways how to do that yeah i I like that and i like to that you are very honest about that do you, do you still remember uh, what was your initial investment to that coffee cart? 
Oh, oh, hardly anything. Nothing. It was like, don't, don't even think about investment. It was just arrived in London, nothing. Uh, after being away for a little while, um, the I cannot even remember the weekly rent, but it was a part of London that needed regenerating. Uh, it uh, London has small areas in amongst the rich areas that nobody goes. And if nobody walks down the street, then the streets get taken over by people who don't want to walk down the streets. And so uh, if you put something on the street, there's the eyes and the ears, and the street becomes a lot more safe and more people start coming out. So uh, there was a, a street called uh, Whitecross Street in East London. And this area had been ignored for a long, long time. Old working class market had started to deteriorate and the local council wanted to put some energy into it. So the rents were low and there was electricity, but there was no audience. But we were like so confident with our product at the time that and wanted to find a place where we could just sit, make coffee the way we wanted to make it. Was it only one spot or did you move? No, 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 one spot. Mm -hmm. What we did was there was um, there was a manufacturer of woolens that was, somebody was still manufacturing in uh, sort of, it's really close to central London. It's east, but it's close to central. And there was still a manufacturer and they had a car park. And in their car park, we would leave our coffee cart. And so we would pay them, pay them 50 quid, 50 pounds uh, a week to leave it there and we'd use their water to fill to, to get water in the morning and uh, then we would pull it down the street and plug it in to the electricity that the council had kindly given us and we would sell coffee and then in the evening we would pull it back up the hill and leave it in the car park and cover it up it was a secure car park with a wall mm -hmm. and uh, that's what we did And there was another one where we had a Sunday coffee cart on a flower market and there was an art studio and they had a shed, so like a little wooden hut in their, in their garden and we would keep it in there and then we'd pull it out every Sunday. So yeah, now we didn't drag it around everywhere. That's one of the, um, I would say, attractive parts for me on a coffee cart that in case of emergency or business doesn't go very well uh, you can move it somewhere else but you did it the other way which is which is kind of cool because you said that it took you three months to make it profitable yeah and uh, what happened after that it's uh, what should everybody expect from a coffee cart where can he take it well, one of the problems we had generally in London in the early days is that we didn't aim high enough There was no specialty. We did. We were creating a new market. We didn't know where we would, would go. We made so many mistakes in the early days. One of it was charging too little for the coffee. We were almost like evangelical. It was like, look, taste this. It's really nice. And I'm, I'm going to give it to you at less than the coffee place up the road, which isn't as nice and they're not as nice as 
you and da, 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 da. so it was crazy it was crazy it was a really bad business model <laughs> but uh we just wanted to make coffee which sounds a bit crazy really after three months uh it's a strange story one of the guys from uh, a boat next door to me because we moved around so uh my grinder broke it was uh and it was the lead so i rang him up i went oi are you in he went yes Come down, quickly come down, because I can. my grinder only works if I hold the electrical lead sort of in a, at a strange angle. So there's obviously a loose connection, which isn't very safe. And he went, yes, yes, yes. And uh, he, he, he came down. So he spent the whole shift just holding <laughs> this and talking to the customers. And he, at the end of the shift, he fixed it, and he came the next day. Uh, just to make sure everything was all right. And he picked up what I was doing. And because he was talking to the customers and I was talking to the customers and we could serve people quicker, we actually made a lot more money. Mm. Uh, I didn't realize how much more busy um, I could have been. Just by him being there, we were able to go a lot faster. And that's the point when uh, it started to really make a profit, even though I'd employed somebody else. This is a good point. So you do recommend to have a team of uh, guys at the espresso, at the cart rather than just doing it yourself? Yes, definitely. Now, I think one of the reasons I've done well as a barista is that I have this terrible, terrible um, thing where I have to please people when they come. I feel terrible if they leave if they leave and I haven't done as much for them as possible. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah, but it's it's a terrible thing to have in your personality. But even with that, to be honest, I don't like everybody. There's some people I just cannot connect with. But when there's two of you and you you hire people who are not like you, who think in different ways and have different skill sets and different interests, then you cover a wider range of people i mean it's much nicer being with somebody who's exactly the same as you we, we sort of go through life doing that but uh i think in a business it, it's good to have different styles of people that together make uh, uh, a team with different skill sets if i will start tomorrow uh cart and i'll hire a body of mine and we are all passionate Financially, what do you think? What can we expect? Oh, don't expect anything because um, <laughs> you, <laughs> you, it's it's going to be really, really hard to start with because every single customer um, is precious because that customer will go away and tell their friends, and they will tell three or four friends that you are rubbish or they will tell three or four friends that you're amazing and so lovely. And you've got to build like that, and you can advertise, and you can have the latest, uh, like, X logo thing and use the hipster design and mm-hmm. go on the back of that. But it really is not a long-term, long-term plan. Being nice to the customers, serving tasty drinks, and ensuring that you will actually know how to run a business is is more of a long-term plan. You said something interesting when we talked about the branding. You said that you had all these artists, intellectuals, um, activists who 
kind of created your brand by being there and yeah. attracting different ways than the nasty marketing ways. How important is that kind of branding versus the coffee, the quality of coffee you serve? Uh, in the past, it was definitely easy to exceed customer expectations because they'd never tasted it mm. before. Um, it's not so hard, uh, not so easy now. We are making lots of promises, but many of the times we're not really meeting them. The customers haven't fully realized this yet, but the more they learn to taste, uh, the more they'll start to realize that generally we're not meeting our promises. I did it not as a business. It had so much more potential, definitely. And one of my staff members, uh, Lee, has taken it on to be something much more where he's got multiple carts. And it's doing really well. And there's a couple other models in London that are doing well. But I, I have a terrible personality that gets bored uh, early. So um, I sort of changed direction. Now, in some ways, I actually regret because there is a huge potential for the carts. Mm. Huge. It's hard work, you know, with the different weathers and blah, blah, but amazing potential, being so close to customers. Do you still visit uh, carts when you see them? Do you go and test their coffee? I, I am terrible because I will test everybody's coffee um, <laughs> all the time, just because I, I want to see, one, I want to see if they're better than me. Oh. Because, uh, no, I do. I want to say, no, can they make it better than me? And the others are, how are they coping with those situations? And the others are, this is clearly a terrible coffee place. I want to see how bad it is because I'm stood in the queue for five minutes now. And I want to try and understand why people are stood there for five minutes and they're receiving something terrible. I, I like to see what people are tasting and why they're busy. Why? I'm not, this is a good uh, point. Why would people wait five minutes for a horrible drink. Do you know? In airports, I understand. Oh, okay. Uh, train stations, I understand. And sometimes lost tourists. And when the industry isn't developed fully, like ours, where there are certain things that people hearing are good and they're seeing in photos uh, on the internet they're going wow i want to try this and what's this flat white and so mm. forth so they they go there because of that and they when i first tasted espresso i didn't like it but i love the people surrounding it and i i wanted to love it so much that i kept going back and i kept reducing the amount of water that i put into it and i'm sure there's other people that are going into the places that have the fancy machines and, and somebody with a beard behind the counter and a tattoo and the white tiled things and the hand-drawn coffee thing <laughs> and, and somebody telling you that it's meant to taste that acidic and yeah and you're wrong i i i think as the as the market develops things will change but at the moment the customers are still learning so how about I want to start tomorrow uh, a cart? What mistakes should I avoid? Which are the mistakes you see that these um, carts are doing so often that, you know, it's very easy to kind of eliminate and we should not do it when we want to start our own? One, you need to find out where are you going to go to the toilet? 
Where are you going <laughs> to empty point. your water? Yeah. Where uh, are you going to get your milk from? How are you going to store your milk? Because you don't want a fridge. A fridge is just more electricity and, it, and nothing to clean. What are you going to do when it's windy? Because I wasn't scared of the rain or the cold or the hot, but the wind was really scary. Mm. It made a mess. It made a mess of things. Can you turn up every single day when it's rainy and cold? And if you say you're opening at eight, you really need to be there and open before eight. And if you're saying you're shutting at four or five, you need to shut a little bit later. It's that whole idea of uh, under-promise and over-deliver type thing. This is not over. This was only the first episode of the series of Three with Willem. In the next episode, we are going to talk about uh, starting a cafe. Hey, so if you are thinking of starting a cafe, next episode is for you. If you have any further questions, feel free to join our coffeeis.me community on Facebook. Easiest way to do so is just go to coffees.me website. On top, you will find a link to the community. Uh, this link will take to the group. Just apply and I will approve you, if you're not a spammer, of course. <laughs> we are new, but we are having a lot of fun, so just come and join us. I would also like to encourage you to say thanks to our guests for sharing all that amazing info and know-how. You can find them on Twitter, Facebook, or send them a little message in our group and let them know that they are special, because they are special. <laughs> so thank you so much, uh, have a great one, until next time, bye.